0: Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God, and it is He who made us, and not we ourselves. And we are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, bless His name. For the Lord is good, His lovingkindness is everlasting, and His faithfulness to all generations. again, I'm glad to be with you this morning. I've already enjoyed our time in Bible class together. Looking forward to our time this morning for worship and also for uh, the 3.30 uh, period of well, if you enjoyed what we did in Bible class this morning, we're going to do more of that. I'm going to give you about 10 practical things that you can do as an individual to improve the song service. I hope that you'll view it as an investment to uh, come back this afternoon and to learn how better to edify, how better to uh, lift up and build up. And I tell you what, there's been some great singing this morning already. And I appreciate uh, so much the ability to worship with you all and to, uh, to enjoy that together. It was mentioned in Bible class as I was introduced that you can call me John's brother. <laughs> I mean, let me give you one more. Um, I was was entering into the men's restroom, and there was a young man uh, standing there at the sink washing his hands and looked up at me and said, hello, Mr. Aaron's dad, and <laughs> I'd never been called that before, so I tell you what, I think he was a tanner, a young tanner, but uh, anyway, um, if you want to call me Mr. Aaron's dad or just Aaron's dad, that's fine. I answer to any number of things, even just, hey, you, but um, once again, glad to be here together with you this morning as we uh, study about singing, as we enjoy some time together and studying about what makes us better worshipers. There was an old story about a man and his son who was uh, going on a mountain hike, and the weather was just gorgeous, and as they're hiking around the, the trails there where they live, the man was just so overjoyed that he began to break into a song. And as a young man, his teenager began to lag behind just a little bit. The man began to sing uh, more loudly as he was uh, rounding on the mountain passes. And of course, I imagine he was probably the only teenager in history that's ever gone, "Oh, Dad!" And just it, my, my kids are going to enjoy that, especially but whenever they get to that age. But you understand that uh, the son was just a little bit embarrassed. But he was even more embarrassed when the dad took a right turn and went right through the center of the town, just belting out his song so loudly. And the son, of course, is lagging behind more and more and more. And, and as the dad is continuing to sing and be boisterous in his song, uh, he, the son notices that the dad passes right by their house. As he's continuing to sing, he just walks right by their front driveway and, and the son said, Dad, Dad, we live over here. And the dad said, Yes, son, but my song's not finished yet. If I were to go in now, I would be in the middle. Isn't that the mark of a Christian life? That every day we offer continually the sacrifices of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. It is a joy and it's a blessed privilege to be able to sing his praises from day to day. That's going to be the topic from our lesson this evening in Psalm 96. But I want you to consider this morning from the words of the song that we sing, How Great Thou Art, the second phrase, Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. Have you ever stopped to ask the question, why did God want singing to be a part of his worship? Why? Sometimes I think that we don't struggle enough with the why of what he wants us to do in worship in order to getting to really the joy of what's there. I'll confess something to you this morning. As we were partaking of the Lord's Supper, I was able to peel back the top part of the container that had the bread, and I pulled out the bread with no problem. But then as, as, as I began to struggle just a little bit, I started pulling the tab for the juice or for the fruit of the vine, and noticed that the entire liner was coming off. Has anybody ever faced that, or is it just me? And as I'm doing there, I, I break into a dead panic thinking, oh no, how am I going to get the juice out? And here's the thing, sometimes that's the way that we worship. We spend so much time with the shell of just the the empty sometimes procedural elements that we don't really get into the joy of why God commanded it in the first place. Why of all the worlds that God had made, of all the things that he commanded and all the things that he spoke into existence, did he want us with the heart that he's given me and with the voice that he's given me and with the heart he's given you and the voice he's given you, did he want song to be offered to him in worship? Let's explore that just for a few moments this morning as I give you some biblical reasons to consider about why God chose singing out of everything that He had made, why He wants that as a part of His worship. Number one, because it's what He likes, because it exalts Him. Because he knows that what we're doing is we're uniting the creative elements of man, the emotional part of man, with the mental part of man, the mind that he's given you, with the physical part of man, that body that he's given you. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15. Paul, in speaking especially of the gift of prophecy and how the church there ought to be able to have a gift that's going to edify and build up. Paul said, I will sing with the Spirit and with the understanding. Now, I recognize that in the context, he may be talking especially about something miraculous. At the same time, I also understand the general principle that you and I have that responsibility to sing, body, with the Spirit, attitude, and the understanding, the mind. Mind, attitude, body exalting God, lifting Him up in worship. That's what He wants from each one of you. That's what He wants from each one of us. And as we lift Him up in song and as we praise Him together, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, I just mentioned a moment ago, by Him, that is Jesus Christ, we offer continually the sacrifices of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We say thank you to him. We exalt him. We lift him up. And you know what? God loves to hear us. When I unite my mind, keeping it focused on what the words of the song are and how true that is to me, and I mean every word of the song, and as I sing out, God is exalted and the church is edified. More on that here in just a moment. It exalts God. Look at this number two with me this morning. It's something that helps us learn. It helps us learn. There's a teaching component to the songs we sing, isn't there? In fact, you look at those two verses that we use often to go to to talk about why we in the church don't use man-made musical instruments of worship. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19, both of those have reference to teaching and admonishing to nourishing the people that are here, and it helps us learn the language of the church. Jordan and I were talking before services this morning about, I think he said, churchies. Is that the right term? ease. I have a burden for all those who are not washed and reconciled by the blood of the Lamb. You take the average person off the street, and half of the words that I just spoke, they're going to say, what in the world? Words that we use on a regular basis to talk about the greatness of our God and to talk about the Bible and opening up God's Word and Scripture and looking at those things and how God wants to be treated and how the plan of salvation is put together. Some of those words that we take for granted that everybody knows the meaning of, a lot of people don't necessarily know those words and don't appreciate that. Righteousness. What does the word righteous mean? We use it all the time and, well, we say in step with God or being right with regard to God. A lot of people don't appreciate that. How much more does our song emphasize what's really important about Christianity by singing something like, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. His child and forever I am. Or how how about uh, exalted, highly exalted. I exalt the name of the Father of God. What does that mean? It means to lift Him up. And by our songs, we teach the language of the church. A lot of scholars tell us that Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 used to be the words of an old Christian hymn that they would sing as they were gathered together. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him. How many concepts, spiritual concepts are given there in the words of what might be a song? It helps us to learn the language of the church. It helps us, number three, to express how we feel. It's going to be tying knowledge with emotion. Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. Paul concluding the doctrinal section in the book of Romans. You want to split Romans, split it between chapter 11 and chapter 12, because everything that he says about justification, about how a man can be right with God, he says in the first 11 chapters about the process by which God makes a man just or righteous. All of that's contained there in chapter 1 through 11. Chapter 12 through 16 is the practical section about how God uh, expects us to behave based upon everything that he said in chapter 1 through 11. But well, what's given right there in the, that sandwich between the doctrinal and the practical? In Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36, you know what you find there? You find the words of a praise. An exaltation. We call it a doxology. We might sing it as such to exalt what God has done and to exalt the, the, the plan of God and to exalt everything that He had done. It's one thing to know and to say, I've been saved by grace. By grace you have been saved through faith, not not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. It's one thing to know that mentally, yes? it's a different thing to say amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost and now I'm found was blind but now I see when you sing the words God knows that what is going to happen is going to tap into the emotional side of man the the part that feels deeply He wants his word to sink down deeply into our heart and not just know it with a mental assent, not just know it with a mental understanding, but to be able to express it back to God and say, God, thank you so much for what you've done for me. Songs amplify knowledge. Number four, it helps reinforce our knowledge. It helps reinforce our knowledge, going along with teaching us what's important, reinforcing what's important. You look at Psalm 119, longest chapter, a lot of people say, in the Bible, 176 verses. You know what Psalm 119 is all about? It's all about the Word of God. And as a psalm, it's a song about the Word of God. And in fact, if you go through Psalm 119, it's divided up into eight verse segments. Did you know that? and each one of them has a hebrew title above each section of psalm 119 before the first 8 verses aleph it's the hebrew letter a then the next letter verses 9 through 16 bet the hebrew letter b and if we were to look at it in hebrew what's going to happen is you're going to see that every line of every verse begins with the letter a And as you're talking about all the way through to the book, to literally A to Z, he's telling us that the word of God is important. Now, as a musician, as a father, as a preacher, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, that's really cool. In fact, that seems like it would be something that a Bible class teacher would want to put on their Bible class wall to say, "Hey." Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. A, the word of God is important. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. And then B, when you get to the letter B, how shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. B, with my whole heart I've sought you. Oh, let me wander from your commandments. B, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's a teaching psalm. So that as these children are learning their alphabet, and if they're learning to write... Can you imagine them singing this song over and over and over? And as the parents hear it going pound, 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 the word of God is important. The word of God is important. The word of God is important. Think about how many songs that we sing that are like that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's right out of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. You sing, Jesus is Lord. You talk about reinforcing knowledge. And about how singing, I tell our kids at home at Graver Road, singing is like miracle grow for your brain. It's one thing to sit down with a passage of God's word and just recite it over and over and over and over and over and over and trying to get it. But you know what's going to happen? If you put a tune to it, it's going to aid your remembering a whole lot quicker. Why do we sing? because God wants us to take the words of what's important about our faith and about Scripture and about what Jesus has done for us and let those things sink down deeply into our hearts so that when the difficult times come, I can say, though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this breast assurance uh, control that God has regarded my helpless estate. Praise the Lord, O my soul. It is well with my soul. We can know and we can have that knowledge based upon us putting our hearts where our music is. Number five, it's going to be something that connects us to one another. It connects us to one another. Turn your Bibles, please, to a familiar passage, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. We talk about this verse and we talk about the use of it in not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Instead, look at the context and look at the application of what he's saying that we ought to do. Verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more so, as you see the day approaching. Flip back a few pages to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19. You could begin with the context in verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You realize that Colossians 3.16, Ephesians 5.19, while our singing praises God, the force of those passages is what we do on the horizontal for you and I, for each other. As he's talking about these things, one of the primary reasons why he tells us why to sing and how to sing or to sing to one another is for the purpose for the building up of the church, for the teaching, for the admonishment of one another. I wish, this is just a personal desire, I wish we could rearrange the shape of our assembly sometimes. It's hard to keep that in mind sometimes when all you're doing is just staring at the back of the head of the person in front of you. When in reality, when you talk about, have thine affections been nailed to the cross? Is thy heart right with God? Does thou count all things for Jesus but loss? Is thy heart right with God? What we're singing is something, yes, to the glory of God, but what we're singing is something for the admonishment of one another. I ought to be looking across the aisle at that brother or that sister that may not necessarily be living the way that they ought to and be singing to them and saying, is thy heart right with God? And just the same as you're singing to the song leader and he's singing to you, folks, we're singing to one another. It connects us to one another. There's a commonality of that. There's a building up, a stirring up of one another in love and good works, Hebrews 10, 24. There's the understanding that We need to exhort one another all the more, even as we see the day approaching. We need to beware that there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Hebrews chapter 3. Listen, I want everybody in this room to be able to make it to heaven. When we all get to heaven, isn't that a, a rousing song to say, I want you to go with me just as much as I want to go myself? And as we're singing to one another, one of the ways we're doing that is we're asking questions. Tell me about your spiritual state. Tell me about your relationship with God. I hope that your heart is right with Him. I hope that you're uh, living a life that you ought to. That's something you do for me, and I do for you, and we all do for one another. That's the way God's intended it in worship. Number next, it reminds us of our hope. It reminds us of our hope. Anybody ever face overwhelming things in their lives? A diagnosis that you didn't expect. You went in for a routine checkup and the doctor uses words like leukemia. Or we don't know if it's malignant or benign. Or you know that there's somebody in your life that's gotten one of those diagnoses or maybe you've had tragedy that has overwhelmed you. James chapter 5, verse 13 says, in the times when we're cheerful, we're supposed to sing psalms. In the times when we're suffering, we're supposed to pray. It's James 5, verse 13. Consider the fact, brothers and sisters, that our songs are there to help give us support and to remind us that we have a God who's promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Matthew 28, verse 20. And sometimes when your heart just gets overwhelmed by the things of this life, by the problems that you face, what ought to come to your lips? Just a few more days to be filled with praise and to tell the old, old story. Tempted and tried, we're oft made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. And it does feel like all day long sometimes, doesn't it? While there's others living about us, never molested though in the wrong. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. That's something we sing to one another, isn't it? To try and help people through those difficult times because there's something that's upholding our faith. There's something that's keeping us grounded and something that's anchoring us to the Lord and anchoring us to to the hope that we have. It's the hope that God gives. And we hold on to that because that's what we're waiting for. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, when Christ who is our life appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. Philippians 1, verse 22 and 23, Paul saying, I'm hard pressed between the two to to desire to go and be with Christ or to stay here, which is far more needful for you For to me to live as Christ, to die is gain. We have any songs that remind us that principle, that fact that while I'm here, I'm His servant. While I'm here, I'm His disciple walking daily in His steps. Jesus says, follow me. We need reminders of our hope. And God knows through His infinite wisdom, as we stand in awe of Him this morning, that this was one of the aspects that singing would accomplish. Notice this also. It's something that communicates our hope to others. It communicates our hope to others. I've already drawn your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 this morning. In 1 Corinthians 14, I will sing with the Spirit, I will sing with the understanding. There's a reason why Paul said, I would rather speak five words with understanding than 10,000 words in a tongue. Because he talks about the fact that when we speak the Word of God in a way that people can understand it. It's able something that's able to build us up. It's able to, uh, something that's able to convict But one of the reasons why those spiritual gifts were given was so that the lost would know there's something special about these people than the people that meet down the road. And in fact, Paul would say, when there's prophecy that's involved, the speaking of word of God with understanding, what's going to happen is the lost are going to leave out of there going, I know God is truly with those people. I know and I understand that this is the case, that these are God's people. Here's a question using that principle based upon the worship of the Katy church of Christ or the Grayborough church of Christ, or fill in the name of any religious group could a visitor who comes in here based upon what they've seen and what they've heard based upon how you've worshiped this morning, based upon how you've lifted your song of praise. Could they leave out of here saying, I know God is truly among those people. I can see the joy on their faces. I can hear the joy of their songs and how they lifted up those songs to God. I could tell that there's something different about these people praising God with their voices and with their hearts that's different from any other religious group. What's the difference? Shouldn't God's people be all about His praise? Shouldn't God's people be lifting those things up? Because he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. And because of that, shouldn't the praise of God's people be heard every single Sunday, every single time that we gather together? Listen, I've been a part of congregations that have numbered about 20, but it sounded like 500. You didn't have to guess or doubt that those people loved the Lord. Well, at the same time, I've worshiped with congregations of four or five hundred people where it sounded like, honestly, I was the only one singing. What does God want? You have a part to play in the song service and you have a part to play in evangelism because that takes place in the song service. As we sing about Jesus and our Savior, about his greatness, it makes a difference. And people can understand the hope that we have, but also the greatness of our God. As we finish up this morning, let me give you four applications based upon why we should care about what's offered in the song service. About how we can make a better song service, which we'll expand upon at 3.30 today. Hope you'll be back for that. Number one may seem painfully obvious. If I'm going to worship as God directs, you and I must sing. That's what he wants. You realize that everything that we do in worship is by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I look into the Word of God. I see what God wants, Romans 10, verse 17. And I say, this is what I'm going to offer based upon what God wants. So when I open my mouth and I open my heart and I pluck the strings of my heart, Colossians 3:16, Ephesians 5:19, and I sing the praise of God, I'm doing that by faith. And it seems, as I said, painfully obvious, but folks, if we're going to worship and we're going to make a better song service, you and I have a responsibility to sing. Nobody can do it for you. Are you hearing me? Nobody can do it for you. God is listening to us collectively as a church family. However, God is listening to us individually as individuals who are the temple of God. It's disturbing sometimes, and it's bothersome to me as a preacher and a song leader When I get the rare occasion to stand up as a song leader to look around at Christians who have been Christians for three years, five years, ten years, fifty years who are just sitting there and look like they would be rather doing something, anything else. Why is that? Why is that? Cultivating a heart of praise and a heart of worship is something that we do from Monday to Saturday so that when we get together corporately, if, if you uh, please, if we get together together as a church so that we can better offer those praises, and if all I'm going to do is just sit there and not sing, I find myself asking the question, how in the world are we ever going to enjoy heaven? How in the world are we ever going to enjoy heaven? You realize the... Book by far and away that uses the word worship and sing more than any other's book of Psalms. You know what? Second, it's the book of Revelation. When you find what's going on in the throne room of God, you find praise, you find worship. When you find what's going on as the people of God are redeemed and as God goes through this divine plan, as Jesus holds the, the scene of history of everything that's going to happen uh, there in the Roman days and then ultimate victory of the church, you know what's going to be going on? Singing. Worshiping. I made the comment in Bible class this morning that singing in worship, spending time together like what we're doing this morning, is the closest to heaven that we're going to get here on earth until the Lord calls us home so that we can sing around His throne. Again, please note that I didn't say you have to have a good voice. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Sometimes you may think that that's all it is, but you know what God hears? A heart, a life that's truly appreciative of who He is. You and I must sing. Note this also. You and I must sing to one another. Going back to Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Stir up one another to love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, the habit of some. But exhorting one another so much more so as you see the day approaching. Folks, we are singing to God. We are singing to the glory of God, but there are songs that are especially done for the edification of one another. Consider just for a moment. You get to worship on Sunday morning, and you're looking for a face because you know that brother or sister is going to be somebody that's going to encourage you. And you're looking for them because you've had an exceptionally hard week. You've had the bottom drop out of your life. And you're looking for somebody, and you're saying, I know brother or sister so-and-so is going to be an encouragement to me. I know they're going to be one of those people that accomplishes Hebrews 10.24 that stirs me up to love and good works. And you know brother or sister so-and-so is missing the service that morning because they decided to sleep in. They decided that there was something that was more important than coming and singing for Lord Jesus. Do you realize that missing the assembly isn't much a sin against God as it is against the people who are sitting in the pews? Because if I willfully miss the assembly, I can't stir you up to love and good works. And if I willfully miss the assembly, you can't stir me up to love and good works. And there is a mutual respect and a mutual appreciation for the coming together of God's people that if I neglect, I cannot sing to you and I cannot stir you up and you cannot stir me up. You want to know the greatest reason to attend worship, to glorify God, to exalt Him, because that's what He wants, that's what He likes? You know the second greatest reason? Because I want to hear your voice, because I want to see your face, because I want to stir you up and I want you to stir me up to love and good works. God forbid that we make the habit of willfully forgetting and missing the assembly, because you know what? The song service is not going to be as strong without your voice. The teaching and the admonishing that's going on is not going to be as strong without you being here present in the assembly. God wants you here. Your Savior is here. Where's your heart? Is it here where he's going to be? If not, why not? That's something we need to all very carefully consider. Number three, you and I must sing with grace. The attitude with which we sing matters. We spent a while talking about this in Bible class this morning. We're going to spend a little bit more time talking about it this afternoon. The attitude with which we come matters. Thankfulness, gratitude. How thankful are you that Christ died on the cross for your sins? How thankful are you when we sing, "Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. Jesus is Lord, my Redeemer." How he loves me, how I love him. I want God to hear that, don't you? And you know what the beauty of that is? I sing out of a a heart full of gratefulness. I sing out of a heart full of appreciation for what God has done. And you know what happens? Is God gets the glory for that. All of those praises and those thank yous are lifted up to the king of kings, to the Lord of lords. And I get to let him know how grateful I am for his redemption and for his his sacrifice through his son. But you know what else happens? Second greatest reason. You and I, when you have 350, 400 people who are all doing that together, we're the ones who get to leave out of here going, wow, song service was amazing this morning. It was so inspirational. It was so uplifting. Weren't you uplifted by the songs we sang already to this point? Can you imagine what it's going to be like in heaven? That's where it ought to stir our minds. Because as we're all singing with thankfulness, and we're all opening up our mouths and giving God the sacrifice of praise, He gets the glory, but we get the benefit of being able to leave out of here and saying, I'm so glad I worship at the Katy Church of Christ. I'm so glad I was here present at worship this morning and make us more excited for the next time we get together as God's people. Last one this morning. You and I must sing with grace, but you and I must sing also in truth. There are two elements to this. The very first one is doctrinal. Doctrinal. 1 Peter 4 verse 11 if any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. I don't think we speak out of line in Scripture if we say, "If any man sings, let him sing as the oracles of God." Listen, there are a whole lot of songs that have been written by fallible men, and as those songs have been written by fallible men, you and I, you and I, not just the song leaders, song leaders, we better take this into account, especially the doctrinal accuracy, the truth of what it is that we're singing. Because there's this whole lot of songs that may sound good to the ears, but they're not sound to the soul. And as we sing those songs, we may be perpetuating things that are not true. I don't want to be guilty of that as a preacher. And I certainly don't want to be guilty of that as a person who's trying to build up and lift up God's people. I need to look at the words of the song and say, are these things in accordance with sound doctrine? Are these things in accordance with truth? As I worship God in spirit and in truth, the truth aspect absolutely matters. And it's not just something that's fixed uh, with with the, uh, the, the prayers, the songs, the Lord's Supper, the giving and the preaching as far as the five sacred acts of worship. It has to do with what's done in each one of those things. The second aspect of truth is this. Am I following along mentally with what's going on? I mentioned in Bible class that one of the difficulties sometimes is that you have a man who might be leading a prayer, a public prayer, and you find that your mind just wanders a thousand miles away. Anybody ever do that with the song service? We've sung this song for 50 years, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away, and I can shift my brain into neutral, and I can put my body on autopilot like a Tesla. Anybody holding a Tesla? That'd be terrifying to me, I think, to be sitting in the driver's seat and just hit the autopilot button, and then just kind of, but that's what we do sometimes in worship. I've sung this song. I've heard this song. I can put my mind on autopilot and not mean the words of this song when what God wants me to do is keep my heart and my mind engaged with what he's given me so that he can be exalted and he can be glorified. What does that involve? I love the paperless hymnal, particularly for that reason. Because you're not fighting, as in the songbook, four other verses for which one I'm singing. What I can see is one line... Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There's what I'm singing. That's what's important at this particular time. And as I'm singing that, if I agree with that and I find it to be doctrinally accurate, I say a private amen. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Is that true? I didn't bring this up, but you realize also how quickly we can be made liars by the song service. Jesus, you're all the world to me. Really? When Jesus is constantly competing with baseball? When Jesus is constantly competing with whatever selfish ambition or hobby that I have? Can you really sing that with honesty? Is Jesus honored and glorified by me singing that and knowing the fact that I'm a, being made a liar? But as I sing those songs and I sing those lines, I'm thinking about each one and thinking, is this true? Is this the way I feel? Is this something I want to offer to God? If so, I'm going to say amen. Because you and I must not only sing with doctrinal accuracy, we must sing with our minds and our hearts engaged. And once again, brothers and sisters, the truth of the matter is, is that we get to leave out of here when each one of us, each one of us having a part to play, not just Tom, not just the song leader for that given day, it's not his job to stand up here and entertain us, it's our job as people to stand up here with one in the audience, God, and for him to say, yes, I give it thumbs up or thumbs down with regard to worship. That was one of the hardest things, I think, for becoming a YouTube star. (laughs) I met somebody one day in, in I think, the Coles, and she came up, you're the guy that preaches on TV there for the Graver Road Church of Christ. I'd never done that before, before COVID. We set up our live stream, and this lady came up, and she she told me, we've watched you on TV. I said, oh, okay, well, you want an autograph or something? I wasn't sure what she wanted, why she was telling me that. What was astounding to me? is that when I would go back and I would watch the early live streams that we did as the Great Church Christ, it's right underneath the video, you know what is there? The Thumbs up or the thumbs down. And what was astounding to me is you'd have four thumbs up, but at the same time you'd have a thumbs down. And I'm thinking already, who in the world would not like this? When you talk about our worship services, brothers and sisters, the challenge is appealing to a God who said, these are the five sacred acts that I want. And I'm going to be the one to give the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Listen, we can leave out of here and we can be critical of just about everything. And I know some people that are. And as we're critical about the song leader, he led too fast, too slow, too high, too low. I'm critical about the man who led the prayer. He led it too long. He used too many big words, and I didn't. I wasn't able to follow along. I'm critical of that preacher. He talked too fast. He spoke too long. John usually goes 22 minutes. This guy's going 45. And you're talking about all these things that we can be critical of, and we give the thumbs up or thumbs down when in reality what we ought to be doing is looking at our hearts, examining ourselves, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, And saying, was God pleased with what I offered this morning? Was God pleased with the songs? Especially about what we're talking about today on this singing Sunday. Was God pleased with the songs that I offered? If he wasn't, that's an occasion for me to re-examine what's really important to me. That's an occasion for me to repent, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And to say, God, I want to do better in keeping my mind and my heart engaged in worship. God, I want to offer to you the praise that you are so richly due. God, I want you to be pleased with what I offer on a continual basis, on a regular basis. God, give me grace so that I can keep more of my mind and my heart my body engaged for the next time. Consider all the worlds God has made with just his power, with just his word. And yet, we're the people to whom he makes the appeal and says, here's my word, obey it, listen to it, heed it. It's going to bless your life in ways that you can't possibly imagine. And as we listen to his word, as we appeal to his word, we recognize we fall short of perfection. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us, that redeems us. And maybe there's somebody here this morning who needs help in living a Christian life. If we can help you as a church family, we'd love to do that. We'd love to encourage you and pray with you and pray for you. We draw strength from one another. We stir up one another to love and good works. It's not something we just get together and look down on whoever needs to come forward. It's a matter of building one another up. Maybe there's somebody here who's never contacted the blood of Jesus, who's never put their trust in him, who's never obeyed the gospel. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that at this time. I hope to see each one of you back at 330 but if there's any need for right now that we can help you with, why not you make it known as we stand and sing our song? <laughs> all who linger, all who fall, sing it home. Rise, receive, receive a sin. Christ.